You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is Enjoy the Journey. Enjoy the journey. That word in the dictionary, enjoy, means to take delight or pleasure in. To take delight or pleasure in the journey that we call life. Sometimes life is not that enjoyable. Sometimes the journey that we're on is not that enjoyable. But I want to tell you today that there is a way to find joy in the journey of life that you're going on. Like some things that that I enjoy personally is I enjoy a good dinner with close friends. I enjoy sitting at the table, eating a good meal, talking with friends and family. Before we moved out here from Dallas, Texas to here, it was probably weekly, if not two times a week, I would be at Pastor Eric and Heather's table, and we'd be sitting there, you know, I've met them before, and hopefully they'll be coming in the next couple of months, and we'd be sitting there, and y'all have met uh, one of his elders, David and Virginie Garner, and we'd all be sitting around the table as there'd be food on the grill or we'd have wings that night, and we would just sit there for hours and hours and just talk and share and do life together. We would talk about the Bible, we would talk about life, it would always just end in us just crying, laughing as we go through and just do life together. I enjoy those moments. I enjoy watching sports. I enjoy talking about sports. I probably need to take some of this sports knowledge out and put more scripture in because I can tell you random facts from some baseball game in the year 2000. And I'm like, why is that still in there? It needs to... But I enjoy watching sports. I enjoy watching sports more if my teams are actually in it and winning. That's, that's a plus. But I enjoy just watching a good college football game. Number one versus number two as it goes down to the wire. The NBA playoffs are going on. Watching the Masters. Something that I just enjoy in life that I can sit down and enjoy. I enjoy a hot shower. Love me a hot shower. I'll stay in the shower for as long as you'll let me. A lot of times, God speaks to me in the shower. So I just stay in there and like, hey, we got to talk. I love a hot shower in the morning, just fresh waking up in the morning before you go to work, jumping in there and just washing the sleep off and getting ready. I love coming home from work and going straight to the shower and just washing the day off of me. Just sitting there with the water as hot as possible, thanking God for the day, talking with Him, sometimes complaining to Him, not going to lie, just letting all that wash down the drain. I enjoy sitting at the beach. I just love going to the beach when it's nice and sunny. There's a little bit of a breeze, not a cloud in the sky. Just hearing the roars of the waves, feeling the sand in between my toes, seeing my son run around, sitting next to my wife, closing my eyes and just hearing that as it also just washes away the frustrations of life. Those are some of the things that just me as Jeremiah Land enjoys. There's also some things that I dislike in life. I hate being cold. 
I hate it. I dislike being cold. I'm like two pounds. There's not a lot of meat on these bones. It doesn't take much for me to get cold. You turn the AC on and a fan on, I'm trying to snuggle with my wife some way in the bed because I'm freezing. hate being cold. Leads me to the second thing that I dislike. I dislike cold showers. There's nothing worse than a cold shower. I love a hot shower, and then you're in there, and you're enjoying the hot shower, and then that water turns cold, or you feel it start to turn cold, and you go into panic mode because you haven't done anything in the shower, and you're shampooing your hair. I dislike cold showers. Me as Jeremiah Lane, I dislike drama. I don't, I don't like getting caught up in drama. I don't, it's, there's too much going on in this world. There's too many things, other things to get caught up in drama. I'm just, I'm just not a fan of it. It's why I'm not really that big on social media. I'm on there. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and I don't think I'm actually on Twitter. I don't know what all the new hip ones are. Um, I'm on there. I look on there, but I'm not active on there just because I've seen the damage that it can do on there. It's just ah, too much drama. Another thing that I dislike is cockroaches. Good Lord, I hate some cockroaches. When I came up on stage while they were playing, there was a dead cockroach that was on there. And that's why we started rejoicing because I was rebuking the devil out of that cockroach that was on stage. My mother-in-law came and swept that thing under the rug. I don't know where it is, but hopefully it's dead and dying and we curse it to hell in the name of Jesus. I dislike cockroaches. Another thing I dislike is waiting. Maybe you can agree with me on that. We hate waiting. Goodness, we, we as humanity hate waiting. Now, it's fine if I'm waiting because of me or you're waiting because of me. But I hate waiting because of somebody else. I hate going through the drive through when I'm hungry. There's 17 cars in front of me that are taking forever. Unless the person in front of me pays for my meal, then all of a sudden I'm spiritual again. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad I waited. I hate waiting. And so many times in our lives, it feels like we are on the edge of the mountain of waiting. We graduated high school and and we're waiting to get accepted into the next thing. We graduated from college and we're waiting to find out what the next step is. We're in our job and we're happy where we are, but we're waiting on the next promotion. We're waiting on that old guy to finally retire so we could take his place. We're waiting on that call to come that says, you got the new job. Me and my wife are pregnant. And I'm not pregnant. She's, she's dealing with it all, I guess. Find out next week, this week, Thursday. Find out what it's going to be Thursday. Come on, boy or girl. We're waiting as we have till October for the baby to be born. We're always in this middle part of waiting, so it seems, and it gets so frustrating that sometimes, and a majority of the time, we forget to just enjoy the journey that we're on. It says in the scriptures that life is a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Life is so short, and sometimes I know, personally, I can get so caught up inside of my head and miss the beauty of the moment that I'm in. 
because I'm waiting on the next thing. Or I'm waiting on the thing behind me to finally quit, to finally stop bothering me, to finally let go. I'm waiting here, but I'm waiting there. And today I want to encourage you to just enjoy the journey. The scripture that we're going to be speaking out of today is a very popular scripture. And you've heard it before. It's Jesus speaking in John chapter 14. And we're going to start in verse 6 and we're going to back up a couple scriptures. Jesus said to him, talking to his disciples, this is him at the Passover meal, the Last Supper, as they're together talking before they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Last week we talked about Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Maybe we might continue on the I Am series. We'll see what happens next Sunday. Jesus says, today I am the way, the truth, and the life. So why is Jesus saying this statement? We've got to jump back a couple of scriptures to get some context of what's happening. In John chapter 14, the very beginning, he's talking about how he has to leave. He's going to go prepare a place going to go prepare some mansions. He says, I can't stay here. I've got to go. He's telling his disciples who have been with him for three years. And this is Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 4. He says, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. This is Jesus telling his disciples, you know where I'm going. You know why I'm going. You know what's going on. Here's our buddy Thomas. I can see Thomas in the back. Just kind of raise his hand. Everybody else is whispering. All the other disciples are whispering. What, is, what did he say? We know? He said, we know? Okay, no, 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 you ask him. No, you ask him. Jesus, I know you've got this big speech going on. It's really good. I really enjoy it. It's going great. I just have one question. Verse 5, Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? But isn't this, it's funny and comical here, but isn't this us? Isn't this us when we talk with God and we're trying to figure out life, we're trying to figure out what's going on? We've got this book that is full of directions. It's, got, it's full of life. It's life breathing. It's got all the answers, so it says. And sometimes I read it and I fall back in the same place that Thomas is. Lord, we don't, we don't know where you're going. And honestly, if I'm being honest, Jesus, how can I know the way? You said I'm supposed to know the way, but right now I, I, don't, I don't know the way. I don't know where I'm going in my job, and I don't know where I'm going in my relationships. I, I don't know where I'm going in how I'm raising my kids. I don't know where I'm going here or there. But Jesus, being gracious... Jesus being loving doesn't rebuke them right there. This is a perfect time for a rebuke if I'm Jesus. We've been together for three years. I've been telling you about the kingdom of God for three years. You've seen miracle after miracle after miracle for three years. I'm literally about to go and die for your sins, for humanity's sins. We've talked about this. I've empowered you. You've gone out and laid hands on the sick. You've seen people rise from the dead. You've cast out demons. You've done all these things. How dare you ask? See, I told you, Thomas, I know where we're going. 
That's not Jesus. Jesus says, you don't know where we're going. You don't know what I'm doing. I'll make it even simpler for you. How about this? I'm the way. I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. This is another picture of the God of abundance and a gracious Jesus. Because they, don't, they said, I don't know where we're going. I don't know which way we're supposed to go. And Jesus not just tells them the way, he gives them two extra bonuses, two extra blessings, two extra benefits, which God always does. He says, okay, you don't know where you're going? Well, I'm the way. He could have stopped right there, and that would have been good enough. But God is an abundant God. God is a gracious God. He says, well, I'll also be the way, the truth, and the life. And to make it even more simpler, no one comes to the Father except through me. You're going to hear a lot of things in the future, disciples. You're going to hear a lot of things about other ways to get to God. But to make it simple for everybody in the universe to know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to get to the Father, you've got to go through me. That word way in the Greek is pronounced hodos, H-O-D-O-S. And it means a traveled road or a journey. He says, I'm your journey today. We can end the service right there because that's how you enjoy the journey of life when Jesus makes the declaration of I'm your journey. I'm your journey. God's always been about the journey with humanity. We can just go through the scriptures and look. In Genesis chapter 5, we see the story of Enoch. It's like three scriptures. He spends time with God and he says he spends so much time with God, God says, well, we're hanging out so much, let's just go on up to heaven with me and we'll see what happens. We see the story of Abraham, the entire journey of Abraham of being called all the way to the completion of seeing his son Isaac be born. We see that God is a generational God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We see the story of Moses. We see the literal journey of Moses from being a baby and God saving him all the way to his death recorded in the scriptures. We see the journey that God goes on with King David. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, we see the history and the life of David. We see the story of Jonah, we see the story of the Apostle Paul in Acts, see his journey that he goes on in his writings. God's always been about the journey. Yes, there are ups and downs in the journeys. We can read the scriptures and see these men that we consider great men and women of God, and in their journey, we see them fall and falter. We see them go through some struggles but we see them always revert back to calling on God. We see that journey, that beautiful, beautiful ride that they go on called life. Revelations 1.8, we've heard this scripture before, as Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. That the one who is right now, in your exact moment that you need, who was 
whatever happened in your past and who is to come, that Jesus is your Alpha and your Omega. He's there at your beginning. Talks about how He formed you in the womb. He's there at your end. To be absent from the body is to be present in the Lord. And He is right now next to you on your journey. You know that even now, those with kids, you can help form your kid's journey. You can start right now at the young age. I have a son who's four. I have a baby who's six months, four months, something like that. That we can start right now preparing our kid's journey for the future. In Proverbs 22.6, it says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That I can help my future generations by starting now at the young age of teaching my son about who Jesus is. As we pray over the food, as we say our prayers at night, as we bring him to church every Sunday, as he's being talked to about Jesus in nursery right now, we even brought our baby to church today. She's sitting in the womb, just hanging out, listening. She didn't have a choice, but you know. That you can help prepare the journey of your children even now by training them up. Telling them about your journey. Telling them about your journey with Jesus and what He's done. Speaking that into their lives, knowing that when they get older, you have a promise in the Scriptures that says they won't depart from it. That they're coming back. You see, when I was around my son's age, the day before I turned four, me and my mom were saying our nightly prayers and I found out at the young age of three how much of a sinner I was. We were praying for the salvation of my other family members and I asked my mom, why are we praying for their salvation? Like, what is, what is salvation? And mom explained it to me and mom led me in the prayer that night and I got saved August 27th, 1990. Mom sends me a text every August 27th saying happy, what is it? Happy born-again birthday, I think, is what she always sends. I got saved that day. The journey began. Grew up homeschooled, went to church. Every time the doors were open, mom and dad made sure that we were in church. I remember there would be uh, revival-type uh, sessions that we would have two, three weeks long. We had a pastor from uh, South, Amer uh, South Africa come. Rodney Howard Brown, and he would do these huge revivals, and they would do uh, morning service, afternoon service, and Sunday night service for like three weeks. Lucky for young Jeremiah, we were homeschooled, so I got to go to church sun Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Wednesday at lunch, Sunday at lunch, Thursday at lunch, Friday night service. And I, but I remember being underneath the pew coloring or doing my shapes or doing whatever, and people getting their, people getting healed, people getting saved, hearing the word, hearing someone preach, hearing worship, hearing prayer, I look back and I think, that might be the best classroom that I could have ever been in, because what if kids were exposed 
What if kids had church at school? What if, what if, you, what if instead of hearing all of these negative things and the, the memories that you remembered was worship music, scriptures constantly, messages, sermons? I remember as I got to high school and we were in the youth group going to church camp and encountering God in a way that I had never experienced before, lifting my hands for the first time. When I was about nine or ten years old, I got filled with the Spirit, baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues, didn't know what that was, was around it my whole life, started talking funny. Wait a second, that's not me, but it's me, but it's God speaking through me. Hold on, this is... I remember walking that out and experiencing that. I remember being baptized in high school, water baptized, by Brother Dole in the fellowship hall when I was in high school. I remember the encounters with God where it was just me and him at these Bible camps. And there's nobody else around except for these other kids, and they're doing their own thing. My parents aren't there telling and yelling at me, to, you need to raise your hand, you need to read your Bible, you need to try and pursue God. I remember being in kids' camp and just thinking, what if God is real and what if God loves me and what if God really wants to talk to me and what if, what if I just tried? How do you do this? This way? No? This way? Which way? Jesus. Just. And then you see somebody, you see that girl looking at you and you'd be like, oh yeah, no, nah, Jesus is cool. But then I would remember the times where just in full abandonment, just singing and worshiping and having an encounter with God that I started, that I initiated. I remember being in high school and kind of running away from the church and we had a pretty bad church split that happened when I was a junior in college, the church I grew up in. And I got mad at God, and I got mad at the pastor, and I, I got mad because I knew who God was, and what was going on wasn't God. I didn't understand it, and I ran away, and I, I kind of did my own thing. But I remember in the moments of me doing things that I shouldn't be doing, that God was still speaking to me. I was like Jonah, be in the bar, hanging out, doing all kind of things, and he would be talking to me. What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You've got to stay out by the door while I'm in here. Don't, don't look at me. I remember going to Bible school, making the decision to go to Bible school. Going to Bible school and not knowing what I was doing at all. I told you I had a degree in criminal justice. I got hired by the Border Patrol. I was trying to get in the Air Force. And I made this decision to go to Bible school in Dallas, Texas. I said, all right, God, we're, we're going on this journey, and if we're going, we're jumping full-blown into it. And we can go to the, the main sanctuary in Bible school, and I can look at, I can see the IB in my mind, and I can point at different chairs in the IB. I can take you to different rooms, different places that I stayed where me and God met. I can take you to the prayer room where I'd spend time with God. I remember on the left side of the IB, I had a vision of one of my good close friends and I called him that night and we prayed together and talked about the vision. He was far away from God and got to minister to him there. I remember being a youth pastor and taking our kids back to youth camp there 
And in the middle aisle, I remember uh, praying with one of my girls and her instantly getting filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. I remember up against the wall in the IB prophesying over some of the boys and, and laying my hands on my younger brother and Holy Spirit coming upon me and able to prophesy over them. I remember sitting in the backside of the IB and one of the ministers prophesied over me. I have these memories and these moments being at One Cause in Dallas, Texas, spending time with Pastor Eric and Pastor John and Pastor Brandon and the encounters that I had with those men and then getting called here now being your head pastor, never being a head pastor before, not, not knowing. There's not, a, there's not a manual how to be a head pastor. I mean, there might be. I probably should find it and buy it. <laughs> Calling Pastor Eric and saying, well, I've got this question, I've got this. He says, God, grace, his grace is sufficient. He'll help you. This journey that I've been on, now, in all of those stories that I've told you, I could tell you probably 20 other times where I didn't have any money, where I didn't have a job, where I was sick, where I was failing, where I messed up, where I did stupid things. But I don't remember that journey. Yeah, it happened, but I remember the times that I encountered God. And it helps me as I go forward to know that I'll encounter Him again. Dear Lord... Listen quick. I've been amazed at the journey I've gone on with Christ. It's not always been easy. It's not always been enjoyable. But He has helped me all along the way. And it's time for you to start enjoying the journey. To go back and look at what God has done for you. Quit worrying about the past in a negative light. Quit worrying about what they did and what they didn't do and what happened. And It's time to let that go. And remember that Jesus was always with you. And if he's brought you this far and you're still alive, then he's not done with you yet. He's got a plan for you that you can stand on, that you can lean on to go forward. Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus says, I am the truth. That word truth is, means what is true in any matter under consideration. What is true in any matter under consideration. In John chapter 1, verse 17 we see the writer, John, talking about Jesus. He says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is a revolutionary scripture right here. For us, being Gentiles on the new covenant side, this is very freeing. You see, because in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the law did have some grace and truth. The law was, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. That's, the, that's how the old, the old covenant was set up for the Israelites. And there was some grace there. If you do good, you're going to get good. The grace was do good, get good, not do good, get bad. There was also some truth there. You do bad, you get bad. There were blessings and there were curses. But John the writer here takes those grace and truth completely away from works, completely away from the law, and he puts it on the side of Jesus that we're on. And he makes a huge distinction between the old covenant 
and the new covenant, between the works mentality and the grace mentality. He says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth is on the side of Jesus Christ. As Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And as you choose Jesus, all you're going to get from Jesus is grace, and all you're going to get from Jesus is truth. Jesus is not bringing the law to you anymore. All he's bringing is grace, and all he's bringing is truth. He's got two best friends with him, and one of them is grace, and one of them is truth. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, Jesus is speaking to the Jews and says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and that truth shall make you free. You see, the truth has always made you free. The truth is there for freedom. You are free. But it's the knowledge of the truth is where you'll walk in that freedom. I can tell you go across the street to the bank over there. There's a check with your name on it for $1,000. That could be the truth. But until you know that truth and walk over there and get it, that check's never going to get cashed. If you just walked around and told your friends, Pastor Jeremiah's got a check for me for $1,000 over there. Like, all right, did you get it? No, 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 I just want to tell you. Hey, guess what? The church, Pastor Jeremiah's got a check for me over there, 1000 bucks. But until you yourself go walk over there, put your hands on that check, and cast that, knowing the truth is what's going to set you free. I can preach the truth all day, all, long, all day long, but until you know it, until you act upon it, that's when the freedom will happen in your life. You're already free. It's time to accept the freedom. John 16, verse 13 He's talking about the Holy Spirit. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, one of his nicknames is the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. The only thing that he says is truth. The only thing that he says is straight from the throne room. The only thing he says is from God. And he wants to liberally and freely give you those things. We started kind of a pre-K teaching our kid some numbers and letters and all those things. And there's a truth that 2 plus 2 equals 4. 2 plus 2 equals 4. 1 plus 1 equals 2. Doesn't matter what country you're in, doesn't matter what language you speak, doesn't matter what part of the world you're on, one plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. It's an absolute truth, that's what it is. Doesn't change. Even if you sit up here and you say, no, one plus one equals three. Say that till you're blue in the face. I believe that one plus one equals three. I'm from Louisiana. Education's not our strong suit there. We know that. We've embraced it. We haven't tried to change it or fix it. We've just embraced it. I don't know why, but that's, it is what it is. One plus one does not equal three. Even if you believe that one plus one equals three, that's not the truth. 
One plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sorry, I scrolled all the way up to all of my sermons. Jesus is the truth and provides direction for your life. If your life does not line up with the truth, then that does not negate the truth. It's time to remind your journey of the true direction your life should be traveling on. All your life, you might have thought that God doesn't want you healed. I'm here to tell you today that that's not the truth. When you read the Bible, God will start revealing to you a lot of things where you thought one plus one was three. Happened to me when I was in Bible school. As I studied the scriptures and as I was taught things or I heard things that I just believed because somebody told me or somebody, I just thought, oh yeah, no, that's the truth. And then I would go to Bible school and I had Pastor John and Pastor Eric showing me scriptures and I would have questions and they would have answers and they would show me the answer in the scripture. And I thought, all my life, I thought one plus one was three. Well, no, the scripture says one plus one is two. You've just believed it wrong. And when that knowledge showed up, freedom happened in my life. God wants to heal you. God's always been about healing his people. God wants to love you. God wants to save you. God wants to restore you. God wants to heal you. God wants you in heaven. Those are truths. And just because you've believed differently doesn't negate that the truth is still the truth. And the last point, and I'm finishing up, Jesus says, I'm the life. That word is Zoe, Z-O-E. The state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate, of the absolute fullness of life. Galatians 2, 20 through 21, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. We talked about this before in the Great Exchange series, that Christ became sin so that we could become righteous. I do not set aside the grace of God. We, standing up here, would never admit that we've set aside the grace of God. That we've tried to put our own idea in how we obtain salvation or what we have to do to make God happy about us. We would, we would never openly admit that we've set aside the grace of God. But sometimes when we look at our own lives and the things that we do that we think we're doing to please God or to make him happy with us or to bless us or do all those things, we're really just setting aside the grace of God. Because he became sin so that we could become righteous. Because it says if the righteousness came through the law, then Christ died in vain. That there's a Zoe life, the full potential of life that God has for you. The last scripture I have, Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. 
1686, Sir Isaac Newton came out with the third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. If I push you, you're going to move. Not a lot, maybe a little bit. Eh. Have a man like Hal come up here and push me? Probably going through the glass. Ugh. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You see, Jesus died on the cross, yelled out that it was finished. He made a reaction, or he made an action in eternity. And that reaction should manifest in our own lives. So if he is life, then any type of death that is in our lives should be reacting away from us. If Jesus' action on the cross, if you truly believe it was that powerful, then the reaction should be the death leaving your body. I am a new creation. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The journey that we're going on, I don't know where you're at in your stage of life. We know where these graduates are. They're at the beginning of a new season. They're about to step into something that they've never done before. Step into college, step into a career, step into the married life, step into something new, brand new season they're stepping into. But a lot of us, we're stuck in this middle routine of life. We wake up in the morning, we go to the same job, kiss the same spouse, hopefully you should be, take care of the same kids, go to the same house. We're on this routine and we get caught up in the monotony and the boredom of the same routine that we've lost the enjoyment of the journey that we are on with Christ. And I want to remind you today that Jesus says, I am the way. He's your journey today. No matter what your journey looks like, he's your journey. He's with you. He's with you wherever you're going. He says, I'm the truth, the absolute truth, which could also mean direction. When you're in Google Maps and you put your direction in, it gives you that one path to go. And it tells you, up, oh, go left. If you go right, it says, uh, well, well, we'll readjust. But that absolute truth is your direction on your journey. And he says, I'm your life. That absolute fulfillment of joy in your life. That no matter what's going on in your life, that with Jesus by your side, you can have the joy and the fulfillment knowing that he's with you and he's carrying you to the next place that you're going. As you leave today, as you wake up tomorrow, don't let your first thought be, got to go to this job today, got to kiss this woman or man again. Got to take these kids to the same school, same routine. Let's wake up tomorrow and enjoy the journey. Amen? Let's stand up today as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are our way, you are our truth, and you are our life. That as we walk through this thing called life, we understand that it's, it's a short life. Even if we lived 100 plus years, it's just such a short time in the timetable of history and eternity. And Father, we don't want to lose the moments that we can have with you 
on a day-to-day basis because we get bogged down in the monotony and the boredom of what we think is our life. So now we understand today, and we ask you, Father, to remind us to help us enjoy the journey with you, that we remember the times that you showed up, that we remember the times that you were there and you spoke to us and you blessed us and you encouraged us and you course-corrected us as you brought direction and truth into our lives. Father, we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we need that joy every day to take the next step in whatever part of the journey that you have for us. God, we know that you are Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end, that where we are right now is not where we're going to end up, that you have such a great plan for us, that you came to give life and more abundantly in our lives. So we receive that today, and we just enjoy the journey that you have us on. We enjoy the journey with our spouse. We enjoy the journey with our kids. We train our kids up in the way that you want us to so that when they get older and we pass away, that they won't depart from it. And they'll pass it on to their kids and they'll pass it on to their kids and there will be a legacy and a generational blessing upon the land family and upon these families that are here. Father, I thank you for this word that went forth today. It will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I think that everyone here has the mind of Christ, that their body is the temple of the Most High God, and by Jesus' stripes, they are already healed. Father, I thank you that everyone here right now is the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, and they're blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have favor with God and man, and everything they put their hands to must prosper. Finally, Father, I ask you that you help them this week be the salt and light of the earth that they are called to be, that they will go out and lay hands on the sick, that they will go out and make the disciples, that they will go out and share their testimony with everyone they come in contact with. Bring people across our path that we can bless this week, that we can help this week, that we can invite to church, that we can encourage this week. Now, Father, bless your people. Cause them to prosper in everything they do and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.